0: In Corvium, when he chose the crown, I thought the world had been snatched away, leaving me to fall through an abyss. This isn't the same. My heart has already been broken, and one night did not sew it back together. This wound isn't new. This ache isn't unfamiliar. Cal is the person he told me he was. Nothing and no one will ever change him. I can love him, and perhaps always will. But I can't make him move when he decides to stay still. The same could be said of me. That's a quote from War Storm by Victoria Aveyard. This is YA Book Chat, and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. I am so glad that you are here and listening Today, we are finishing up the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard, and we are at the very end of War Storm. We are going to be covering chapters 25 through 37 today, and I have got both Nikki and Valerie with me today. They have been alternating weeks with me as we've been covering the different books, and I'm really glad that today we get to have both of them here. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So nice to have you guys here, you ready? Yes. We're gonna have so much fun today talking about the last part of this book. And just so everybody knows, um, again, because we are in the midst of this book, this is a completely spoiler-filled episode. So there will be spoilers all throughout the entire thing, just as a reminder. All right, so let's get started. So just as a reminder for everybody, when we left our friends last, they were all at a meeting with Maven to try and settle a peace, but that of course did not happen. And so now in this book, the last 12 chapters of this book, we have the largest battle that has taken place yet. And of course, then we're going to find out who lives, who dies, who wins. What happens with Mare and Cal? Do they get back together? Do they not? Does Maven live? Does Maven die? Does he get captured? Is he in prison? We find out all of these fabulous things in this part. And so it's really, really good. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy the ending of this book? This
1: last little chunk? Um, yes and no. For the most part, yes. But there's this one little thing at the end. Um, right, this is this is spoiler oh yeah right, Go right ahead. okay so when when she, mayor tells Cal that you know that they need time I'm like no no you, you don't, don't need sense time sense. come on I mean you have dilly dallyed through all of these chapters now I I think you have figured it out it's time to cook or get out of the kitchen and and the fact that she's still gonna take some more time to figure it out and stuff I'm like really oh my goodness um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so everything else wraps up for me, except that she still finds a way to kind of annoy me at the very end,
2: and (laughs) that's just true to her character, I guess. It is. I agree. And I think I saw an interview where Victoria was talking about that she liked doing that ending where we're like, what happens? But then are we going to talk about that she came out with another book or? Yes, I'll talk about that at the end. Yes. Yeah. So we, I, well, anyway, we, it it is open ended about Maren Cowell at the end. And that was upsetting. And you know what, this is why I never read books until all the books have come out because I waited and I waited for this book and I'm like, yes. To find out what happened to everybody, but yeah, we still don't know what's going on with Mary and Cal at the end. That was yeah, that was frustrating. <laughs> but no, I love I love the book, I loved it, everything in
0: it. Well, oh, good. All right, so when we last left them at the end of chapter 24, they had this meeting with Maven. And remember, they were all sitting in a circle with chairs that were a silent stone, which Mayor, of course, hated, but you know, in the end. They couldn't agree on anything, so they were like, All right, this is war, and we're gonna we're gonna go at it. So they're meeting with Maven ends, and then what happens is they start to leave, and as soon as they're leaving this island, they're walking towards their jet. The water from around the island starts to rise, and Mayor and everybody realizes that it's Iris and Senra. And this is awesome. So this is when Maven first gets a glimpse of how Iris is going to betray him. And I love this. So Iris and Senra start making all the water rise and they're attacking Maven. And then what they end up doing is Julian and Cal's grandmother bring out Salen Irel. And I'm probably totally butchering his name, but (laughs) um, because that was part of their deal. So they bring him out and they give him to Iris and Senra, who then of course kill him because he is the one who killed Iris's dad. And after that, you know, when they, and the way that they kill him, I don't know if you guys remember this. It was, it was very vivid the way that she describes it because they, I mean, they're essentially like waterboarding him in a way, you know, because they're just like, attacking him with all of their water and he is filling up with water and drowning essentially just even standing there and it's really it was i had a hard time reading that part i don't know did either of you have a hard time with that
1: one maybe this is morbid but i actually really liked it um, because it's, it's who, it's who they are. I mean, it's, it even says like in their, in their culture that that's, um, that that's what you're supposed to do. And, and so it's, it's almost a religious act for them to be able to accomplish this execution really in that way. And I really liked that. I thought it was completely fitting. I mean, they are trying to get retribution, not just For a beloved, you know, father and husband, you know, the king who died, but they want it for their entire kingdom. And as the Lakelanders, that's who they are. And that's what they stand for. I I just thought it was entirely fitting. So, and to be honest, I like Iris um, and I like Senra and all. And I, I just, I thought it was kind of cool to be able to see them in their element. I love seeing how powerful they are. Um, And this is one of those moments where, you know, you kind of, want him to get what's coming to him you know he he mm-hmm. is kind of a snake in the grass kind of a character and so I'm okay with it whether he's Norton yeah. or not um actually <laughs> I really liked it I didn't bother me that it was it was a little graphic because I I feel like if that were if I were in their place that's the revenge I'd want as well
0: yeah. And they definitely take time to torture him because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read part of it. I've got it open in my book. It says, they take turns pouring water over his face with torturous efficiency, just enough to keep him breathing. Little by little, drop by drop, his face pales, then purples, then blackens. And he falls, twitching, drowning in half a foot of water, unable to sit up unable to save himself. They bend over his body, putting their hands to his shoulders, making sure they are the last thing he sees as he dies. Then what's funny is too, is she says, I've seen torture before from people who delight in it. It's always unsettles, but this brutality is too measured for me to understand and it terrifies me. And that's coming from Mare. Like Iris and Senmaras scare the heck out of her as they probably should. But yeah, he definitely got what he deserved there. But after seeing that, Evangeline kind of comes to this realization like, oh gosh, she knows. like She's not stupid. We all know this. She's very smart. And so she realizes that her dad could have been part of this deal and that her dad is going to be in trouble. So then everybody returns to Harbor Bay. And okay, I, I don't know about you guys, but I found this part absolutely hilarious. Okay. So (laughs) Mayor Davidson and Farley, they want to have a meeting. Okay. Mayor goes into her room to take a bath because she feels like unsettled from being around Maven and, you know, they've been traveling and with the silent stone and whatnot. So she goes into her room to take a bath in the bathroom and they all follow her in there. And they're like, so she's tra- she's in the bathtub while they're having this conversation. Now, they're not all like in the room with her. I think um, I think Kalorn is in there, but he's like got his back to her and Farley is in there in the same way and Davison is like out- just outside the door in her bedroom. But it's just funny because they're having this discussion about wanting Kale to step down, you know, and not be the king and just to rule like Davidson does but she's taking a bath she's taking a bath and then she has this line where she says it's impossible to get even one second to myself and you know what I think of when I read this because I think you two can relate to this I think this is like being a mom it's (laughs) like being a mom you can't take a shower you can't take a bath you can't go to the bathroom you can't do anything by yourself and this is what she is experiencing right now.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I agree. I agree. It's almost like they don't really see her as an individual person.
2: Right. It's like
1: our kids don't see us <laughs> as individual people with our own needs. Uh, they're so in tune with what they need and their goals. And that's kind of what you have here. You have people who are so into what is happening with the kingdom and, and, and the importance they placed on that, that Mare has lost all individuality. She, she's a tool to be used yep. and even her allies treat her that way. And uh, that's why, I, you know, it's, it's really funny, but that's what I, I took away from it is, hey, these people, while they seem to have your back, they clearly don't have that love <laughs> connection for you either you know they're they're not thinking of you in that way because I I think Julian recuses himself doesn't he he wants no part of that conversation because he does does see her that way so you you can see the disconnect there
0: yeah and I did forget to mention too because I was got wrapped up in how Iris and Sandra kill Sal and Irel they did make a trade so when Julian and Annabelle give him to iris they get they have attacked and captured maven and they gave maven to them so evangeline and the whole crew they brought maven back to harbor bay with them as their prisoner kind of an important fact that i just glossed over <laughs> there <laughs> so davidson and farley um, and and volosamos and cal all agree that maven needs to be executed and they bring him in to talk to him Maven asks to be buried with Alara and killed like she was, meaning he wants Mare to kill him. But Mare says, no. She says, I won't be your ending, Maven, and you won't be mine. And he's like, whatever, Mare. He kind of gets upset because, again, he's not getting what he wants from her. And this is just a constant thing that happens over and over and
2: over again, you know? I was on the edge of Um, my seat at this point. because what's going to happen to, and the tables have now turned, it's not them against Maven, I'm getting nervous with the Lakelanders, they scare me at this point, like, okay, who are we going to fight, you know, for the good of all the kingdoms, so yeah, that made me nervous, but yeah, maybe it's the whole on, I'm still kind of rooting for Maven at this point, like, oh, just turn, like, just, Start being good like you still have a chance I don't know I still, <laughs> still have hope for him
1: <laughs> see it's funny you're waiting for his redemption moment and for me I think when she says you won't we won't be each other's ending I think all he's thinking is oh so you're daring me. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, I don't don't see any redemption (laughs) coming for him. So I think we're on opposite sides there.
2: No, but I was hoping. I still hope. Yeah.
0: You're like Cal, Nikki, because Cal. No, I was.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Poor Cal.
0: (laughs) And then the funny thing too, is that when they're having this, you know, discussion at one point, you know, finally, Annabelle says, you know, they have this um, back and forth with Maven, and then Annabelle's like, okay, whatever. She says guards were finished with the traitor, and they take him away to put him back in prison, and Mare says that Annabelle is taking the decision out of Kale's hands because Kale can't make choices. Kale couldn't decide. He couldn't tell Maven how he was going to die, and Mare's like, oh, man, he can't make this decision. This is not a good thing because then how is he going to rule? properly you know and then because then after he leaves too this is when like Farley and Davidson they kind of come in with this big thing so Davidson brings up the idea of having a democracy in Norta like they have in Montfort and Bolo Salmos of course and Annabelle Kale's grandmother hate the idea but then (laughs) Farley and Davidson are like well if you don't do this then we're going to break our alliance with Norta so they're basically saying, you do this, change to a democracy, no king, or else we're out, and we're not going to support you anymore. And um, what do you think Kale says? <laughs> Ruled by his grandmother. So, of course, he says, he says what, ladies?
2: He says, no. <laughs> oh, we are supposed to answer.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's not right. <laughs> well, you know, again, I want to give... Cal, see, so you want to give me a little benefit of the doubt. I want to give Cal the benefit of the doubt. I I don't think he's just doing it because he wants to be selfish and hold on to his crown. I I think, like I I believe you're about to say, he's citing that. You know it won't work that the kingdom yep. will fall apart you know because they have built all of this on the backs of reds and he can't and the silvers won't go along with it immediately and everything will fall into utter chaos and he's saying he has to remain in power to be that that guiding influence of neutrality and I, I want to believe that he's right you know Rome was not yeah. built in a date that kind of thing but either no, you- way, it was it was kind of a big. Th- I mean, they go through with it. So, it, it, but it's yeah. kind of a big threat for them to say. Oh, and by the way, if you don't do exactly what we say, <laughs> we're taking half your power. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't I, know why they've been really supportive up till this point but instead yeah. they're actually being manipulative and saying no you're gonna do what we say and we'll twist your arm one way or another to get what we want i, I don't know it's, they are i expected of the scarlet guard but i didn't expect it of Montfort um yeah, Because they that's seem true. to be all about freedom and choices and they completely take away you know that choice that of yeah. working together so that was interesting
0: and you're right because you know Cal what Cal says to them is that Norta is too fragile for him to do that right now because he's worried about Bracken and the Lakelanders coming and attacking them um, but he does give some um, leniency he says that he's going to let the, all the reds leave the slums he's going to them, pay them fair wages So they'll get paid, you know, the same as Silvers who do during the same jobs. He's not going to have conscription anymore. So he agrees to all of those things at least so that life can be better for the Reds, even though he still plans on ruling as a king. So then Mare decides that she's going to go and see Maven because, you know, she's Mayor, (laughs) And I feel like just like Maven can't get her out of his head, you know, she is stuck there in him too and um so she goes to see him and she tells him what cal said and what happened and you know maven says to her that cal will never change not for her and not for anybody and the thing is is that Mare kind of knows that it's true like she doesn't she doesn't want she doesn't want it to be true but she knows down you know in her heart that he is right and that cal is gonna stay that way and Maven just taunts her though, because he says, mm-hmm. I thought you had learned by now, Mayor. Anyone can betray anyone. And he's betrayed you once again. So, like, even at the end, Maven is still just trying to like get in these last little bits. I mean, he thinks he's gonna die here. And so he's like, Well, you know, I told you so. He's still the same. You should have picked me. Blah blah blah. <laughs> so evil. Oh. He's
2: so evil. You sound so sad when you say that. But he's <laughs> I am sad. I am sad. He, I loved him at the begin, The first Aww. book, I'm like, love that guy. And he's always getting the short end of the stick. Not the, getting the girl. He's not getting the crown.
0: I know. Poor I know. guy
2: had the evil mother.
0: That's very true. <laughs> well, and then the other thing too is that Mayor tells Maven how... Kale looked for somebody to fix him because remember Kale like really really wanted to see if there was any way that he could be fixed that somebody could like another whisper or somebody could try and reverse what his mom did to him but Maven you know he didn't know that Kale wanted that and he just thought he hated him and so she tells him and you know it's kind of a he's like oh whatever he pretends to be very stoic but and then Maven says to Mare that you know, with how Senra and Iris betrayed him, that they're going to attack her, or them as well, and Norta. So at the end of this conversation, there is kind of this, like, almost sweet moment that I wanted to mention, too, because Maven says that Senra and Iris are going to come, and he said they're going to drown you all, and at least I'll be dead before they get their hands on me. And Maven says that he would not have liked to watch Mare die and he asks Mayor if she'll enjoy watching him, and she says, "Part of me will." And he says, "And the rest?" She says, "No, I won't enjoy it." And he says, "That's enough for me. A better goodbye than I deserve." And then she asks Maven what she deserves, and he says, "Better than we ever gave you." So they kind of have this nice little moment of recognition. Like, even though I kind of hate your guts right now, I still do have feelings for you. I still, you know, remember what we used to be, and. I don't know. I kind of like that moment right
1: there. Yeah, it was nice. That's kind of your redemption moment for him right there, (laughs) is that he pulls out that actual true sentiment at the end. So that that is sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It is. So then what happens is they
0: have this, like, sweet little moment, and then all of a sudden Farley davidson and another um new blood whose name is arezzo and he's from monfort the three of them come in and mare knows who arezzo is she's a arezzo is a um a teleporter just like shade was and all the, all she sees is that her hands reaching out for her and maven and then they're all gone they all grab a hold of each other and she teleports them all out of the room and you're like okay what just happened why did they come in there why did they teleport them out But we find that out a little bit later. (laughs) But it's kind of like, hmm, what just happened here? So then Annabelle, of course, Cal's grandmother, is like, okay, now we have to have an official coronation. So they plan to have a coronation for Cal at about one week later. And of course, Evangeline is really upset because now she knows that that means that as soon as he gets his coronation, that they're going to want to go through with the wedding. And she doesn't want to do that. But... Here's, here's a little hope for Evangeline. I love this. She goes to her room, and she finds a note in her room from Davidson, and it's inviting her and Elaine to move and to live in Montfort. But the only thing is that Evangeline feels like she's not sure that she can yet, because she's scared about her dad and what's going to happen to her dad. So she's kind of hesitant about it, even though she really wants to do it, and she wants to be there with Elaine, but... So then they go and they have this dinner with her family and Annabelle enters and she says, Hey, guess what? Maven is gone. Oh, there he was teleported <laughs> out like the others. So everybody goes to meet with Cal and they're all arguing cause they don't know what happened and they're trying to figure it all out. And then we get to this point that I really like with Evangeline and Cal. They have this conversation and Evangeline I, oh man, I just love her because she is so not afraid to speak her mind. You know what I mean? She's like, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I wish I could just do that, but I'm too nice. <laughs> I'll have these conversations in my head. You guys ever do this and be like, I so want to tell that person off right now and think this, but then what comes out is mm-hmm. okay. You know, or like, I don't think anything <laughs> oh you're better sure. than
1: me I don't I don't come up with those conversations till after it happens and then in my head I'm like oh I should have said this <laughs> okay. so, me too. I envy Evangeline not only does she speak her mind but I mean she has, has that quick the quick wit to say it right away oh <laughs> yes and this <laughs> part I love
0: this about her because she has this conversation with Kale because she's terrified now about having to marry him because he's going to get his coronation and they're fighting. And um, he, he, she's like, Cal, you, you can choose not to do this. You can change everything. You can choose Mary. You can choose not to take the crown. And he's like, whatever, Evangeline, you know, don't preach to me. Stop throwing a temper tantrum. And he says, you've got a choice too. And you keep choosing to stay here because he knows she can leave and go to Montfort. But she tells him, she says, because I'm afraid, Cal. And then he says that he's afraid too. And it's just, it's just this, like, they both have this vulnerable moment together where they admit that they're scared. And then, you know, he says he misses his mother. And it's just a whole thing. And it's kind of a nice, like, she attacks him. But then they both kind of get vulnerable <laughs> for a minute. So that's kind of how conversations in this book go, I feel like, you know? Like, we're attacking each other, but then, hey, I still love you. You're my friend. Let's be vulnerable
1: together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's more, It's to me, it's like they all realize the end is actually coming. Because they're all willing to say what's been unsaid for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, Maven, Mayor, Evangeline, Cat. like, they're all finally ready to be like, okay, so here's what's really on my mind, <laughs> and here's <laughs> what's on my heart, and I may as well say it, because The pages are running out. Um, And I feel like, to me, that's what's going on here. Um, That, you know, if if you felt like everything was about to change suddenly, irrevocably forever, you're going to say right then and there what's on your mind. You're not going to hold back in that last moment. And so that's how you know the finale is coming for each and every one of the characters' storylines, um, not just because of the book, but I mean, it's like the characters are realizing that it's happening too. So yeah.
0: And then the other thing that she she does here is that she tells Cal that she thinks that Julian and Annabelle are gonna have her father killed, and Cal, he's so dumb. <laughs> she tells him this. She says, "I think they're gonna kill my father." And he's, he looks confused and he says, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, well, they're not going to do it, but they're going to let Senra and Iris do it. And then he kind of realizes it. You know, he's like, oh, right. And she admits to Kale that she admits that she would let her father die. And I mean, that's a big thing for her. You know what I mean? She's like, right. "I'm," she says, I'm going to let him die. I know it. And she just has to, like, let him go because she knows she can't – if he's gone, then he can't control her anymore. But that's a big deal. I mean, to be like, yeah, my dad's going to die. They're going to kill him, and I'm just going to let them.
2: I think she realizes, like, if she's going to try to stop them, things could change and she could – you know, it's not so easy just to fight for her dad. There's going to be – some huge consequences to that she needs to stick with the plan you know see see the end result what? and I get so frustrated with like some of these characters you know like Cal, mayor maybe you know all of them but it, that's what makes a book so great like it's like almost <laughs> in my mind like they're real people I'm like come on like just Cal and mayor get together like you know Cal stop messing around like you don't need to be king you know I just it's so frustrating but that's what makes it good and, yeah. you know just each time each time I turn the page I'm like okay is he gonna just give in is he gonna realize that mares the love of his life is <laughs> waiting and waiting and waiting but it makes for a great book
0: it does it really does because the other thing too here that Evangeline says is that when she admits to Kel that she knows that if Iris and Sunra kill her father then his kingdom that he rules over of the rift will fall very easily because Thomas doesn't gonna, he's not going to fight a war without his father there. So she knows that it's just going to go and it'll be gone. I mean, that's, you know, that's a big deal for all of them, but. See, I feel like
1: Evangeline is so cunning. I think Mm -hmm. she sees the writing on the wall a little bit too. Um, As much as, you know, she sees how, how, what am I trying to say, that Iris and Senra are just so strong and so powerful. And and the other sister, whose name escapes me at the moment, but she sees that their entire country, that they have this strength and this brutality, too, mm-hmm. um, that now has been recognized by everyone. and And I think that kind of scares her a little bit, too, the fact that she knows what she's actually up against. Mm-hmm. And I think she knows that... The rift, while powerful, is the power is only emulating from her parents, from that one person, whereas they have power emulating from the entire country and infrastructure. And I think she's she's looking at the big picture saying this is not going to last. This is going to be, you know, long and we won't make it so it's not in my best interest not only is it not in my best interest because of who my father is to me but it's never going to work out in the long run anyway and she cares about her brother so much that she doesn't want to see him go through it because if she fights you know for the rift he'll fight for the rift and if she lets it go i think she knows at that point that he'll follow her like you're saying she knows he won't fight without his father basically he won't fight without her by yeah. his side either, because in a way they're all they're not twins, but they have that connection that you would think twins would have. So I, I feel like Evangeline here is just being intelligent and mm-hmm. she has this way of not letting her emotions rule her, which is yeah. why she has put off things with Elaine for so long. And why why she has been able to have all these, you know, manipulative conversations with Mayor and things like that, because she's able to put it aside to get to the truth. And right here is where we're seeing that. Um, So I think her biggest struggle is coming to terms with getting what she wants and being able to say it out loud and go for it. And so this book is like her transition. It's, It's her character finally admitting that, you know, it's okay to not be the pawn, but to actually be the player for your own team and she hasn't done that until the very end which we (laughs) haven't even gotten to so i just love evangeline Um, i guess she's the character i would want to be even though she is not the character i would be
0: (laughs) yeah me either but definitely would love to be but after all that let's see we go and the next chapter is about iris Now, here's the thing. So, Iris talks about how she's glad that they killed um, Stalin Iral, but she almost feels a little bit guilty for the way that they killed him, and she's kind of struggling a little bit. But um, so, her sister, whose name is Tiora, comes in and she, you know, kind of tells them everything that's happening. They found out through um, messengers and spies, that the Scarlet Guard is no longer with Cal. And so Sendra says that she wants to attack really soon. But Iris wants to try and get more Silvers from Norta on their side so that they can defeat Archeon and take it over. And then her sister tells her that Maven is also gone. And so Iris and her mom and her sister are left to kind of figure out what their next plan of attack is going to be. So then the next day what happens is is that we see Mare and she is in Montfort. So we discover that Davidson and the other Newblood and Farley have teleported Mare and Maven to Montfort. She sees her family because they're there and she tells them everything that's going on. Then guess who shows up in Montfort? Guess who's there? Oh, it's John. Do we all
1: remember John? He, does yeah. he annoy everyone else? Yes. Like, he, if you know that much, give a little, honey. Like, pick a side and help him out. Oh, golly. The way he just plays the fence. Well, and, it's, and, oh, it's, it just drives me absolutely insane. He's crazy. Yeah. Well, because then, he
0: ha- you know, she sees him, and she's mad at him, and rightfully so. And then he kind of gives her this, I told you so speech. Like, I told you this is going to happen. And she's like, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> you know what i mean? like, this is ridiculous. This is all your fault because you wouldn't tell us what happened and you betrayed us. He tells her, but the funny thing is he tells her that she has to rise and rise alone. But she's like, what
1: are you talking about?
0: And then he brings up Kalorn to her, which is interesting because he says to her specifically, he says, Kalorn is the catalyst for all of this, isn't he? For your part, at least. The poor friend doomed to conscription with only you to save him, And she knows, you know, it, what's funny is, is that she says, I try not to know, try not to accept what is staring me in the face. I want to kill him. Smash his head against the rock, but I can't move. <laughs> she knows that this man is aggravating her so much. She's like, I just want to... I just want to smash his head in right now. So yeah, she says, you know, because Killorn lost his apprenticeship, because his master died, and then John says, because Killorn's master fell, and he says it like it's a statement, and he knows exactly what's happened, and she really gets upset, she's like, you pushed him, and John just says, I pushed many people in different ways. And she says, did you push an innocent man to his death? And she's like, livid by this point. And then he changes the subject because he's John and he's not going to answer her stinking question. So now Mare is left feeling like, oh my gosh, did John start this whole thing? No I mean, what
2: would happen later? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I, at this point I was kind of like, okay, did he really do that? Is it possible? Or does he just know what happened right. because he can see the future? And I, I feel like while Mayor might think that John was the one who pushed Calorne's master to his death, I don't necessarily think that that's what happened. I think he just knows because that's his gifting and he sees things. But it's it's interesting how you know he just he brings to her attention how all of this everything that has happened is because of Calorne. really essentially because of her love for Cologne and her wanting to save him. Like that is how everything started. And he was, he was a major catalyst in this whole thing. And he really is like, he doesn't get, I mean, he gets attention, but he's not like the center of attention, you know, like her and Cal and everybody, but he really is the whole reason for all of this,
2: you know? Crazy. And I, did, I didn't think about that until they brought that up. Yeah. But John brought that up and I was like, Oh yeah. Crazy.
0: he is it all comes back to cologne so then finally john actually gives mayor some news that she can actually use and he tells her that the lakelanders will strike against them in a few weeks and then he also tells her that they cannot let norta fall to the lakelands because if they do the road will be long and bloody and it will be the worst that things have ever been so he tells her all of this and then he also says that they will not see each other ever again. And she's like, great. That's good to you
1: know. <laughs> right. And everybody's see, like, yay I, I feel like, John, it, it's one of those, you know, the old expression, if a tree falls in a forest doesn't make a sound. It's one of those, you don't need to know, and Mare doesn't need to know whether or not he pushed someone to start this. She she doesn't need to know if what he's saying about falling to the Lakelanders is true or not true. Mm-hmm. All she needs is he needs to plant it in her mind, these yeah. ideas to set things in motion. It's, it, he's setting off this stream of inevitability. So, you know, even though he's saying that it all started with Kalorn, the idea is that is that it's always going to have happened and he's nudging her in these directions, period. It doesn't necessarily mean, to me, it almost comes down to, it wasn't really Kalorn; it was a fate thing. And that, you know, fate set it into motion and he is just kind of like the proctor of it. That's very true. That's a good way to look at it. But he does- definitely- It's almost like love kind of set it all in motion. You know, so love for family, love for Kalorn is basically like her family and Cal, you know, is also this love that continued it. And then she had to, she had Giza in, you know, thrown in there. It just keeps coming back you know and then shade it was you know brought in the the scarlet guard and you know it just keeps going um yeah. so it's really just that finally you had enough of that emotion and enough young people who wanted this kind of change because obviously someone like Annabelle who is mm-hmm. like okay let's have a coordination because that's what we've always done for hundreds and hundreds of years okay. so you needed this exact setup and it it was always going to happen, but it took someone maybe, let's say maybe like John to just kind of nudge it along, but it was happening regardless. He just made it happen to these particular characters in history is the way I wanted to look at that scene. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, we can look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> But either way, I mean, she, you know, she takes him at his word when he says that the Lakelands are going to attack in a few weeks and that they need to protect Norta and not let Norta fall, despite the fact that they're mad at Cal and they've separated from him. So Mayor does go back and she tells Davison and Farley what happened and what he said and that they need to help and come up with a plan of attack to make sure that Norta doesn't fall and that it does stand and it's successful, you know, but they're trying to figure out how they can get in. And Mare tells them that she saw Maven's train. Yeah. Uh, in, in the tunnels and that he's got an escape plan and the train runs underneath the treasury. And then there are different entrances below the palace. So, sh- so what they do is they're going to end up sending some spies to check out the tunnels and make sure that they are all still open So that they can go in and use that way, and then Mayor and Farley and Davidson and Titan, and you—you guys remember Titan is the other Electricon who's like her. Mm -hmm. So they all decide that they're going to go talk to Maven and ask him about the tunnels. So we know that this is going to lead to a fun conversation, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because anytime we have these conversations with Maven, I mean, it's always interesting. So Maven decides that he'll tell them, but he wants, they, they need to know like where the tunnels start, where they go to, which is open and what's closed. And he tells them that Mm -hmm. he'll show them if he wants to go with them to Archion and lead them through the tunnels. (laughs) Of course he does. Of course he does. Right. And of course, at this point, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh, you dumb idiots. You take (laughs) him, you know what's going to happen. Right he's going to escape. We all know this. But of course, they're like, well, Maven is our only chance. And so they agree to it, don't they? (laughs) They all agree to take him with them. (laughs) And then, yeah, we know where it's going to go. But it's like, it's the only way it can go, though, you know. Right. Yeah, they have,
1: they have no choice, you know. They, <laughs> I, they're backed into a corner, and Nathan knows it. He finally has a card to play in his hand, so, <laughs> I, you know, it's just going to happen.
0: It's funny because I like the way the end of this, and this is in chapter twenty nine. I like the way that the end of it's written, because it says. They, they, they're talking about possibly torturing Maven to get the information out of him, but they weren't sure if that would work. And then it says, even Farley falters. She stares at Maven trying to read him to weigh the risk and the cost. He meets her eyes without quailing. She swears under her breath for once he's telling the truth. Maven Kalor is our only chance. So it's like even Farley at this point has given in. She's
2: like, oh, man, (laughs) you have to do this. (laughs) They don't have much time to figure out the tunnels themselves. So, yeah. Exactly. That's the
0: problem. They know that the Lakelanders are going to attack in just a couple of weeks. They don't have the time to mess around. And they really, that's the only thing that they have left to do. So we get to chapter 30, and chapter 30 is from Cal's perspective, which I love. I love these (laughs) Cal chapters. They make me happy. And it's his coronation day, and Julianne comes in to talk with him, you know, to kind of give him like the fatherly pep talk. It's it's funny because they talk about how um, he says, You're about to be King Cal. You could dream with your eyes open and build whatever you wish. He says, you know, I'm tired of telling people that it isn't true. And Julian says, are you sure? And Kale's like, if you're talking about mare, she's already halfway across the continent and she won't. And then it says, almost smiling, Julian holds up a hand and he says, "Kale, I'm a romantic, but I'm sorry to say I am not talking about your broken heart. That is incredibly low on my list of worries. (laughs) (laughs) and i love that because julian man he is like he is cal's uncle and he loves him to death but he is ever the realist you know he's like listen i know you're upset about this chick but we have other things to deal with right now so get over it (laughs) and it's just another like another thing that i love about this book and i love about victoria aviard's writing because she has these just fun fantastic quotes that are just sprinkled throughout all of the books. And it just really makes it that much more enjoyable to read. So then we have that part, right? And so they go through the coronation and they have a dinner and then Cal is talking to Julian again, because that's what they do. And he admits to Julian that he thinks that they're gonna lose the war. And then we have this moment where Cal admits that he regrets giving the Reds their freedom because he knows that, he thinks that their army is going to be outnumbered now, now that they're not going to have the Reds to fight with them. And he's like, oh man, I wish. And it's like, it makes you upset kind of at one point. You're like, oh, you're just like all the other Kings. But then on the other point, I feel like, I kind of feel for Cal there because I think like he's just trying to do what's best for his country and he wants to win and he wants to keep it steady. And how he sees it is, got to have a bigger army or he's not going to win. I don't know. What did you guys think about that?
1: I I feel like he said that out of um, strategy. He's this great military tactician and, and he is just thinking this is what I need this is the resource I need and now I don't have it and I need this resource in order to protect this exact same resource so it's this double-edged sword and I think that's where he's coming from and and I you know in a way you kind of have to agree with him you know if they lose the war the reds are that are in his country they're all basically damned anyway so um it's one of those he he feels like if they were at least on his side, he could do something to protect them. I feel like it's just the truth is is what he's talking about. So I kind of get it.
2: Yeah, I get it too. I was actually just, talking to my daughter the other day about how you know in this country you can volunteer to go into the military but some countries you can't mm-hmm. some countries you know like Switzerland you have to join the military you have to train and she was like why would they do that that's horrible I'm like no they have to because that's the only way that they could win a, a battle if they need to fight someone so I agree I agree that. Yeah. He was just thinking strategy. He's thinking there's no way I can win this without the reds. So which is the way he's always thought, you know, he's, it's just that thought process he's always had. Right. He's so good at. Yeah, I don't, I
1: don't don't think of him as every other silver still, even with that statement. Cause yeah, yeah, it's just, it's more his personality still you're, you're absolutely right. He's well, and what it is too is he is, wrapped up in
0: obligation okay because so in this conversation and this this ends up becoming a little bit of a turning point for Cal really because what happens is is you know Julian points out to him that he did almost everything that the Scarlet Guard and Montfort asked for. You know, he set the Reds free. He gave them equal pay um, and all of this stuff. And he says, you gave up everything except for that. And he points to his crown, you know, and he he asks Cal, why wouldn't he give it up? And Cal says, well, this is my father's crown. And Julian says, but the crown is not your father and it's not your mother. And it won't bring either one of them back. And you know, Cal knows that he's right and he says, This is who I am, Julian. It's everything that I've ever known, the only path that I've ever wanted or been made to want, you know? And then Julian compares him to Maven. And he says, well, your brother could say the same, you know? Where did that lead him to? And Cal's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not the same as him, we're different. And then this is where things change because Julian reminds him, remember how um, earlier on he had given Cal his mother's diary and told him that he wanted to read it? Well, Cal never read it. And so, you know, Julian says to him again at this point, you need to read your mother's diary because this is really going to help you. You need to do this right now. And so Julian leaves and Cal finally opens it up and he takes it and he reads it. And what he reads is that his mother wanted a different life for him. She didn't want it to be how it is. She says he will not be a soldier. And she says, you know, the Calores are children of fire, as strong as as destructive as their flame, but Kale will not be like the others before. Fire can destroy and fire can kill, but it can also create. Kale's flame will build and bring roots from the ashes of war. The guns will quiet, the smoke will clear, and the soldiers, red and silver, both will come home. He will not die fighting. He will bring peace. So she... She totally wanted this different life for him than having the crown. And I didn't read the whole thing, but for those of you who maybe are following along and want to know where we are in your book, it's in, it's in chapter 30, page 555 in my book. And it's just, it's a big realization for him. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that my mother didn't want me to do this. And he says, you know, I have to wonder if there is some fate in between what each of my parents wanted for me, a path that is truly my own to choose, or is it too late? So this kind of becomes, this is like what Mare has been telling him, like, you have a choice, you can choose. And now he finally sees that he actually does have a choice. And I really, I really like that. This is, this is a big, exciting moment for me to read this. I was like, oh, thank God, maybe he's going to get it now. Oh you know, I'm going to understand. It takes, you guys know, it takes a mom. It takes your mom <laughs> okay. to bring it to you. Whether it's through her diary or in person, if she's there, it takes your mother,
2: right? We all know best. Mom's know best, guys. <laughs> right?
0: You know, what's funny is, so uh, speaking of their mom, in the next chapter is Maven's chapter. And he thinks about his mother, of course, because... He always does. And this is where, remember, I think it was in the previous episode, Valerie, you and I talked about Thomas a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And in this chapter, chapter 31, this is where Maven really starts to think about Thomas again. And just as a reminder for everybody, um, Thomas is a red who Maven met and he fell in love with him. He and Kale would be sent to the front lines when they were younger by their father. Um, and they would play with Thomas, and then Thomas was killed in an accident when Maven couldn't, he couldn't control his fire ability, and so he asked Alara to erase Thomas, but all the memories of him wouldn't erase, and every time he thinks about Thomas, he gets a headache, so it's still there, and he's just kind of thinking about Thomas in this chapter, and just kind of, I don't know, reminiscing about things, and wondering, like, What's going to happen? Is anybody who is possibly close to death <laughs> probably contemplates their life and thinks about what happened? And here he's he's thinking about Thomas again. And it's funny because he thinks about Mare and can kind of compares her and says, you know, Mare wasn't enough for Cal. She wasn't enough for Maven. And he wonders if Thomas would have been enough for him. It's an interesting thought, you know. Do I mean, things would have been so different if his mother hadn't destroyed him the way that she did oh man I always think about that when I read <laughs> all the time and then, and then in his chapters I'm always like oh so it's like I start to feel bad for him sometimes you know I mean sure. I still don't like him but I feel bad
2: for him <laughs> I know you liked him right Nikki I loved him <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm reading reading through everything I'm like, Oh, it's his mom's fault. But then like, yeah, he does things and says things. And I'm like, Oh, no, he he actually is evil. It's not just mommy, dearest, you know, in his head. He's made the choice to be evil to, you know, listen to these things that she whispered and to just do things on his own just and, and became more evil over time. I think I think when we first meet him at the first book, he's it's not as bad. <laughs>
1: You know, it's interesting to me. We talk about Alara is so terrible how she got in his head and all of this. And she is, but he asked her to erase Thomas. He thought that that was a natural thing to ask for. He thought that would be okay and that it would work. And, and it's very interesting that at, at, in his, you know, deepest love he was okay with getting, you know, with getting rid of it. So I don't think Thomas ever would have been enough. I don't think one person in any of these scenarios that one person was ever enough for someone else. Unless, of course, maybe you're talking about a child, um, but we don't really have those instances in any of the the characters here. But I just, to me, I think that's interesting. That shows me Maven's character at heart too, is that he would choose that manipulation at all times, even to his own self, that he would think that that's just a path that should be taken. And I think right there is, is something that not most people would choose. Mm -hmm. And that's who Maven is. So I I just, I'm always going to have a hard time getting behind him, Nikki. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but you know, (laughs) <laughs> that, that's the, that's the thing about Maven. Um, he's, he's complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And even, and even, cause even right here in this chapter, this is when he's, he decides what he's going to do. He decides that he's going to take them through the tunnels, but then he's going to lose them in there. And set a trap for them and then leave, of course, because he wants to try and escape. So, and it, so then Mayor does come to see him and she, d- you know, demands to you know the entrance point of the tunnels. And he finally gives in to her and says, okay. And then they all leave to go to Archion so that they can go and attack and help defend Norta. And then we see Evangeline in the next chapter who's in her room and thinking about all these things. And she looks out her window and she realizes that the water underneath the bridge is rising and it's also flowing the wrong direction.
2: It's not going <laughs> not the way good. that it should. So she's like,
0: oh boy. So she knows <laughs> right away that the Lakelanders are coming and they're going to be attacking. So, so she goes to tell everybody what's happening and Julianne and Annabelle want Kale to leave the city they're like, you need to leave. You need to be safe. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to leave. I need to be here to defend the city and fight. (laughs) And, um, so they finally, you know, they decide on how they're going to attack the Lakelanders and they have air fleets, um, you know, on their planes and they have, um, they're going to balance both the sides of the city with troops and they're going to try to, um, sink the Lakeland ships. Somebody says, you know, they want to turn the river into a graveyard. And here's the thing, is that he wonders, so, so while Kale set the Reds free um, in his area, the Lakelanders did not. They, Iris and Center were not willing to give up their Reds. So he's concerned that there's going to be Reds mixed in with the, um, with the Lakelander troops. But, you know, the problem is that they don't really have a choice. They're going to have to still attack them. And if those Reds die, then you know, that's unfortunately going to be a consequence of it. Evangeline thinks that, you know, her father is going to try and run and leave and not stay and help fight. And so she goes to confront him and talk to him about it. And Thomas actually attacks their father (laughs) and they decide to leave him there. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, I need to find this in my book here. <laughs> but they have this big confrontation because Evangeline comes in and she's like, dad, you can't just run. I know that that's what you're going to do because that's what you always do. You know, she's like, you need you need to fight. You need to stay. You need to take care of this. But she says, our family needs you, your brother, everybody needs you. And it just doesn't work. And he comes out and then she, because she doesn't want to leave with them, but he wants her to. And then Thomas comes in and he attacks, the, oh, I, her mother, I forgot. Her mother has the wolves. Her mother always has these animals around her. And so the wolves are in there in the room and the wolves attack her. And then they start to bite and attack Evangeline and Thomas sees this. And of course he goes and attacks wolves and then he attacks their deaf father. And it's this whole like huge bloody Crazy scene, and, and then Annabelle leaves. <laughs> she <laughs> runs. I mean, not Annabelle. Uh, Evangeline and Tolmas. And at this point, um, we find out too that Evangeline, while she didn't leave, she did send Elaine to Montfort. So Elaine is safe and she's away, um, and she's at Montfort. Um, but and then this this family happens, and her father is just like never ending with this, saying, I'll drag you guys to the rift, you're coming with me. Um, And then it's just this huge bloodbath with the wolves and her father and it's this whole thing. Because then what happens is, then Julian comes into the room and he says, I've got this, goodbye Evangeline. (laughs) And Evangeline and Thomas leave, Julian tells her mother to leave and to run away and she runs and leaves and her you know her father is on the ground gurgling because he's been attacked by the wolves and attacked by toldness and evangeline says i leave him to annabelle and julian whatever fate they have in store for the king of the rift. because she she knows what's going to happen you know they're going to take him and he's going to be dead. but <laughs> she's just like hey i'm out of here she finally has her last little say and then she leaves her father. So then, of course, the Lakelanders are attacking. We have this huge battle that's beginning, and Cal sees Evangeline and Thomas, and that they're leaving and they're running away. But he doesn't do anything to stop them because, you know, he's in the middle of things. So what happens though is Evangeline and Thomas, and I think that Wren, Thomas's girlfriend, she is with them too. And they know about the tunnels and the train as well. They know about Maven's train. So they go down and they get on the train and they head to Montfort and they're just going to escape that way. So they don't take part in this big battle at all, which if it were me and I had a way out, I'd be, out, I'd be out too. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm out. I'm not dying in this. I'm going to freedom. See you later. You know, so I kind of like, in one way, like I, to- I totally get it. She has both of them have done a lot of fighting already and just want to be free of everything. And they want to leave their father behind. But there's a little part of me that was kind of like it's a little bit, it's not cool that she just left and abandoned everybody. You know what I mean? Not that not used her.
2: Oh, they totally could have used her and her
0: awesome Magnetron powers. So I feel like it's a little bit of a cowardly move and leaving and not helping. I mean, I completely get it. She has gone through a lot. And if anybody deserves to escape and get out of there, it is her. But I also kind
1: of wish a
0: little bit she had stayed to help Like I don't know.
1: What did you guys think? I I agree she should have <laughs> stayed, but I don't think of it as cowardly. I think of it as callous. She mm. she's like you just said, she, she says whatever they have store in store for the king of the riff is, you know, is whatever it's going to be. She doesn't say whatever they have in store for my dad. She, she's completely come into her own. She's written off everything else. She is (laughs) considering only her herself and the family that she makes from here on out. Um, so I feel like she is in this, like, finally this, self-centered, self-righteous mm-hmm. kind of place. And so, and honestly, she never really cared about the red issue. She really That's didn't. <laughs> I mean, she did strategically maybe, um, but she didn't really have that moral plight going back and now in her mind, you know? So I, I feel like it's just a callous move. It's just yeah. a selfish move. She's going to do what's best for her. Finally, it's like an Elsa, let it go moment, you know, and she's just like, okay, peace out. Um, And and that's all it is, you know, so, and, and I agree with to what you said earlier. She's kind of earned it. If anyone's earned it, I feel like she, she and there would have earned it. Um, So I, yeah, I get it. She doesn't really feel like she has anything to fight for. So I, I get it. But yeah, she totally should have stayed. Like you wanted her to stay. You want her to have those mm-hmm. those moral qualms, but she just doesn't.
0: No, she doesn't. And you're right. Selfish is a much better word to use than cowardly. That makes, yeah, that's perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so they leave and then, you know, the battle is going on. And so Mare and Titan and Davidson and everybody are in the tunnels with Maven And then there's a big explosion that happens. And Titan, who has been holding on to Maven, who, by the way, is probably, like, the only person that Maven is actually really scared of, which I think is really Mm -hmm. funny. But every time they have an interaction in this book, Maven, like, shrinks back from Titan because he's actually really afraid of him. And I think that's Mm kind of funny. But um, Titan ends up losing his grip on Maven. And so, of course, Maven runs which is what we all knew was going to happen as soon as he got down <laughs> in the tunnels. But they let him go because they want to continue the attack. Mare kind of goes back and forth for a second. And then she's like, ah, forget it. I'll find him later. You know? and she's like, we'll get back to it. And then so they have radios with them. Cal comes over the radio and Mare is like, it's too late, Cal. Forget it. You know, We're in the middle of this. And he says, I'm done with crowns. That's all he says. And she's like, finally (laughs) she says finally she's like I win I'm finally getting what I want all right and then she's like all in and all ready to fight because he's said those magic words you know I feel like this moment for her was even better than him
2: saying I love you (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? and then i was like please don't let him die in the battle i want to see him together at the end please i don't want to see him die i was nervous i didn't know you know i've never read a victoria of it was her first series first yeah. book i'm like yeah. oh gosh what's she gonna do
0: <laughs> oh my gosh it's crazy so she you know they all run to go and find him um she tells cal that Maven is there so he knows And then they're crossing this bridge, and the bridge gets hit. And so they start falling, but then they get teleported off of it before it can totally be destroyed. And then Mare leaves to go and find Maven because she knows she has to get him. She's got to be the one to find him. So she leaves to go do that, and then they come up with a plan to get the rest of the silvers who were at the bridge and off the water's edge to get it off before it complete, to get them off of there before it completely collapses. So they're going to use teleporters to do that. But then here it comes. Here comes this big moment, right? Kale looks and he sees Volo Samos on the bridge and Volo Samos walks off the bridge and falls to his death. And then Kale looks and he sees Julian and Annabelle and he knows what happened. He knows that Evangeline was right. Because see, Julian, and we've talked about this before, but Julian is a singer, which is my version of a Jedi mind trick. Like he can talk to somebody <laughs> and tell them what he wants them to do. So he, that's what he did in order, you know, for payment for Iris and her mom, he got Volosamos earlier, and then he sends him and tells him to walk across the bridge and walk right off of it. And then we see Volosamos die and fall to his death. So there it is. The tragedy we all knew was coming. And then the next chapter is Iris and she sees him die. So she knows that, you know, Annabelle and Julian kept her word to them, but she calls Annabelle foolish because she's like, well, it's not going to save Kale. You may have done this for us, but we're still going to destroy Northdown and we're going to take over. So she continues to kind of, you know, try and control the water. She's on a, And she's on a boat in the, in the water with her mom and they feel like She feels something change, but she doesn't know what it is. She just feels kind of like a big force. And when it turns out that the Reds who are helping Cal, they have subs. So these are like from the Scarlet Guard. And so they, the submarine is striking the boats from underneath and trying to destroy them. So they've got the subs coming from underneath. And then they've got lightning coming from above. We know where that comes from, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And then... We have this moment where Iris and Senra have this realization, you know, they're looking at each other, they talk, they realize that they are outpowered and there's no way that, there's absolutely no way that they can win. And so they decide that they're going to retreat and that they're going to leave. And you're like, what? Really? Mm -hmm. It's over. Like, (laughs) so it's just like, and you know, I feel like everything that has happened, you know, they have this big plan. And they want to take over and they want to win. But at the same time, they're very, they are, they've been very strategic this whole time, but they've also been very smart. And I always feel like, you know, anytime you watch any of these like military movies or anything like that, you know, you always see the generals, the commanders who are in charge, they have to make all these command decisions. And when you realize that you can't win, I mean, no matter how bad you might want to, you have to make that decision, you know, and you have to decide. Hey, this is it. I mean, Iris just says we can't stop them, can we? And her mom's like, Nope. And uh, you know, she says, but I, you know, Iris asks her, Is this ended? And her mother says, Never. Not truly, <laughs> but for now, I'm getting my daughter out of here alive. So she realizes that even though you know that there's no way that they can win, and the best option is just to leave, get out of there alive. And so Iris and Fenra back off and they leave. So this is like beginning of our ending here. We're almost done now. (laughs) So the battle is gonna lessen, and then the moment that we're all waiting for, right? This Maven and Kale confrontation. Now, before we get into this, did you guys have any ideas about how you wanted this confrontation with the two of them to go or how you thought it might go despite what you wanted to
2: happen?
0: I mean, I know Nikki was probably hoping, you know, Maven still makes it out at the end. Maybe they just keep him prisoner, but.
2: (laughs) That's exactly what I wanted. I'm like, just keep keep him in prison. He'll be fine in there. (laughs) They can still go visit. Yeah. I kind of wanted Maven to kill
1: himself. To me, um, you know, we want this, like, redemption moment for him, but I thought, to me, at this point, his, you know, his only way out is death, in my, my mind, so I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, well, then your redemption moment, for me, would be not to torture one of these two people anymore, the only two people who have shown you any true, you know, love, or, or whatever version you'd like to call it I mean these are the people who have given you some some kind of caring and you're going to make them kill you. And I thought yeah. that's the only redemption right now is to not torture them mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives with the fact that one of them has to do it. And they know, you know, it's gonna be one of them. And, and up until that, that, really those last few chapters, I don't know which one it's gonna be. I didn't know right. <laughs> if it was gonna be Cal or Mare, but I knew it was gonna be one of them. And yeah. I just was hoping that Maven would somehow make the decision himself. You know, and, and I thought that way, it's not on either one of them. And then mm-hmm. that roadblock is not in the, Cal and Mayor's love affair forever. Um, and yet, he was selfish with that too. And I, <laughs> was I mean, I can't too. get behind David. The only thing I needed him to do was to end it clean, and he can't even do that. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh. Did you even read the first book, Valerie? You had to love him at the first book. He was, so I, he, was too,
1: he was so whippy and whiny, and I don't know, I just could
2: not get, I, I've never, I just can't, um, I just
1: can't, you know? I
2: mean, you that. just wait, they're going to make the movie, and he's going to be super hot, and then you're oh, going to yeah. fall oh, in love with him. Hotter, hotter than a big bad boy with the dark hair, you know, come on, come <laughs> on, riding the motorcycle, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Don't do to see who's cast. <laughs> I can only imagine and, well, and here's the
0: thing. so for everybody, um, it is gonna get made into a movie. It's just but it's only in like super 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 early beginning stages of things. So you know it'll be a long time before it comes into fruition. but I yeah, I really really hope that they do it
1: justice and that <laughs> casting, the casting has to be perfect. <laughs> like I don't know.
0: But I'm we'll hoping
1: see. that she has to put out one more little short story to keep the momentum going, since it's <laughs> going to be a while. Don't you think she needs sure. that, everyone? I mean
0: Well, that's what that's what Broken Throne is. She had one more little short story in Broken Throne, which we'll talk about we in a little bit at the her. end. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has moved on. Victoria Adard, I follow her on Instagram and she is currently writing a new book, a completely new series. So She has moved on. She is done with this red queen All right, so here we are. Maven, now, forgive me, friends, because I don't remember how this happened, but he, he somehow managed to get his bracelets back, and the bracelets, Cal and Maven both have these bracelets, which is what helps with their firepower. It helps them to create the fire, and somehow Maven gets his bracelets back, so he is able to fight with fire again, and um, so Titan has joined up with Mare at some point, and as she's running, she to go find him. Titan finds her, and they're chasing him. Um, he goes into the castle, and she finds him in the throne room. And you know, she just says to him, "It's over, Maven." Now, Maven, he can't, he can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like this part, you know, it's kind of like what Valerie was saying, just saying. So, there's this room, there's like a queen's room and the king's room attached to the throne room. They each have their own. And the queen's room, because she was a Lara, of course, has Silent Stone in it. And he knows that. And he knows that Mayor is going to hesitate to go into that room. And, and, and I was just kind of like, okay, that's kind of a like stupid, that's like a selfish cowardly move there, maven really like this is how you want to defeat her is by breaking her down like this again but she follows him she knows because she can feel it so she kind of hesitates a little bit and then she realizes that she had had a pistol at one point but she realizes that her pistol is missing so she has absolutely no weapons on her besides you know, herself, of course, being a lightning weapon. She goes into the room with him. He like taunts her and he's like, you and I can still be together. You know, we can run, we can get out of here. And um, you know what she says to him? She says, Maven, the last person who loves you isn't in this room. He's out there. You know, so she's just telling him, there's no point in you saying this stuff to me. I don't love you. Cal is the one who still loves you and was trying so hard to change you but it's not me so they you know they start fighting and he has a dagger he goes after her he stabs her she punches him <laughs> i kind of love this part he's got this dagger in her hand in his hand and they are like struggling really hard right she bites his fingers off to get the dagger and I was like I think I remember like laughing at this point when I read it I mean it's which is ridiculous because it's this like intense scene between Mare and Maven you know somebody's gonna die in this moment right and I'm sitting there laughing because she's biting his fingers off to get the dagger but it's like you got to do what you got to do, right? You know? <laughs> so, hey, somebody tried to he take my life. Take off to get a the dagger. Digits. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, he, he's squeezing her throat with his other hand, and he pins her hair da- his hand down, and then he kind of, he's got her pinned down with his other hand, but then he kind of, like, leans slightly, and so she's able to loosen her arm and then stab him, and she just stabs him over and over And then that's it. And then the next thing that happens is, is that she wakes up, she kinda blacks out and then like she wakes up because she blacks out because he had stabbed her, so she, you know, loses all the blood and stuff too. She stabs him and then blacks out, and then she wakes up to Kalorn and Sarah being there. And you know, Kalorn tells Mayor that the Lakelanders have left, that there's a ceasefire that's being negotiated, and the city is they're gonna start cleaning up of the city by both Reds and Silvers. And then he tells Mayor that Maven is dead, and Mayor she doesn't really realize at first and she's kind of like did I kill him as he did because I stabbed him and so Kalorn says yes but then Cal comes in and he says you know you only did what you had to do you know and Mare apologizes and she says she's sorry because she feels bad that she killed him and he's Cal's brother and then you know that's kind of how that's how the main story ends because then they you know they look at each other and they just kind of say well what now what happens now and they just say, what now? Because they don't know what's yeah. going to be next. You know, where do they go from there? But then we have this little epilogue at the end, from Mary's perspective, that kind of gives us a little bit of a hint at what's going to happen. So and Kalor, and Farley are going to all go back to Montfort. And so they're saying goodbye to people. And a really big thing in this moment is that Annabelle is there, and she is not wearing her crown. That woman is never without her crown. But in this moment, she's not wearing her crown. And that that tells you right there that Cal (laughs) has really decided definitely no more crowns. He's agreeing, he's gonna rule um, like Davidson and like they do in Montfort. Julian and Sarah and Annabelle decide they're gonna stay in Norta. And Cal is also staying in Norta because he is gonna help rebuild the kingdom. You know, and he says that he feels like he's not sure what he is, you know, who he is. He needs to figure things out. Mayor wants to go to Montfort and be with her family. And she tells him, I need time, Cal, and so do you, you know, and she tells him that she wants to figure out who she is as well. So that's kind of the end. And then he says, you know, how long? And she says, I don't know. And then she tells him, you know, I won't ask you to wait for me. And then, um, you know, they have this kiss and it's their final goodbye. And she walks to leave, to say goodbye, to get on the plane, to go to Montfort. And she, you know, touches her earrings and she does have an earring from Kale. And she's just says, I will go back. And that's the end mm-hmm. of the book. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember a lot of people who I've talked to, who have read this. And even remember Nikki, when we went to, um, Y'all, fest, and we met Victoria Aveyard. I remember when she was signing my book that <laughs> she said that people had asked her if she was yes. gonna write more and if, because they didn't like the way that it ended, she was like, yeah. mm, Pretty sure I ended it, you know, that was <laughs> an ending. <laughs> but I know, like, so many people felt unsatisfied with that ending because Cal and Mayor don't technically really end up together. How did you guys yeah. feel about that
1: ending? Well, I think, um, we've talked about this before. I always felt like, you know, you have this, these teenagers and uh, you know, all of them are kind of coming of age through all of this turmoil, you know, and, and all of this change. And then at the end they say, I don't know who I am. I'm like, really all of this and you haven't figured out who you are. You're still going to go through this identity crisis, you know? And so to me, it was frustrating because I'm like, okay, That, to me, was not a conclusion because I thought the conclusion was, would have been that they had grown up, you know, um, that they, like the country had, you know, of Norda grows up and realizes that it has a better destiny than to enslave, you know, half of its population and all. Um, I, and I just, I would have liked to have seen our main characters somehow be able to find some kind of resolution within themselves. Yeah. And she doesn't really give them that, that mm-hmm. they're going to continue on this path of reconstruction, but they have to reconstruct themselves as much as they have to reconstruct everyone else around them. And, and I just felt like that was, there's so much on them all the time that she Mm -hmm. could have given them that one little bit of peace and therefore could have given the reader that one little bit of peace. (laughs) And even if it wasn't that they ended up together, it didn't necessarily have to be this, well, we're off on our own path indefinitely, and don't wait for me. Did she have to throw the don't wait for me line in there? Because that Seriously? is the part that, like, clinched it <laughs> for me. I'm like, okay, that, that it would have been fine as an ending, but at that point, Mara's basically saying, yeah, that's okay, I can move on. And I'm like, you're gonna move on oh! from this? But Like Nikki said, the love of your life? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> anyway, so um, I was one of those people who was not entirely satisfied with the ending and i needed a little extra because um (laughs) Yes, it, it, I I didn't think that Mare handled it very well. I thought that Cal was doing what was necessary for his mm-hmm. people, and yet she was gonna go run off and be with her family. They didn't need her there,
2: right. you know?
1: I mean, <laughs> it, what's stopping her from going to Norda? But she has to find herself, and I'm like, oh, God. There's <laughs> more of that, you know? And then and then we'll find out later that she goes off in the woods to find herself. <laughs> then, oh my. It's, just, it's just a little much. <laughs> so, so I, yeah. I, I think Victoria Egard is a fantastic writer um, particularly like you've quoted some of these some of the dialogue some of these one-liners uh, are just fantastic like you, the one you had quoted with she's in the room with Maven and the person you love is not in this room I mean mm-hmm. she has yeah. this wonderful way of writing feelings and and in just a few words, she can uh, just convey anything that um, someone could be thinking and go on for pages about, and yet she can do it in a moment. And and yet here we have to go run off and find ourselves indefinitely. I'm like, give me a one-liner like you do all the other times, you know? I just, I, I thought that it was a disservice to herself and her own talent Aww. to leave it that way. So,
2: okay, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it. I mean, these weren't small books. <laughs> we've read book after book after, and you get the final book. It's like what seven hundred something pages. I mean, we've oh, read yeah. thousands of pages, and you get that big, big book, and you're thinking, okay, we're gonna find out what happens to everybody. You know, like we're gonna find out if Cal and Mayor get together, and then you end up, you know, three thousand pages into it, and you don't find out.
1: You don't find I out at agree. the end of the third
2: book. I
1: agree. It's a slap in the face as a reader, you know. Like we put in as you know all this time and efforts, and we want to know. And um, yeah, you and I just keep know. shaking our heads with each other. And I I agree mm-hmm. with you wholeheartedly, Nikki. Yeah,
0: it was kind of like, how is that the end? But I do I do have to say though, it could be worse because there is another book which I won't say because I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't read it yet. But it's a different book, completely different series, where a certain author kills her main character in the final book of the series. <laughs> so hey, at least that didn't happen. At
2: least Mar and Cal didn't die. <laughs> I know. I was happy they didn't die. I was happy. And I, that. I think I said I that Victoria Aveyard. She said that that's how she likes to end books. Yep. she likes to end books so that the reader comes up with their own conclusion about what happened it's just what she likes to do i don't i mean i i have read quite a few books where they do that and i just i don't know i'm not very imaginative i i want to be told i want to be told <laughs> what happens to everybody even when my shows end you know i'm like i want to know what happened to them later you know yeah.
0: and i think so. most people do i think that most people are like that <laughs> but well here's the good thing for everybody though so war storm is the fourth and official final book of this the whole story victoria Aviard did write a fifth (laughs) book that is a collection of short stories and it's called broken throne um i am not going to be covering it because it is just a collection of short stories and it's not it's not a you know complete novel but i will tell you guys about it so that you can go and read it i think that everybody should check it out if you're going to read the rest of these books, then Broken Throne, by all means, you need to read that as well. Now, Broken Throne includes her um, shorter novellas, Cruel Crown, which is what she wrote previously, and that includes Queen Song, which is about Kale's mother, and then it also includes Steel Scars, which is about Farley. So that is included in broken throne then also in there um she just does she just has some chapters and information about the history of norton the different countries and whatnot um which i'm going to be honest i kind of just get
2: through all that <gasps>
0: i know i know i know <laughs> i can it, it, it adds i can't so keep it oh,
2: i know i like,
0: like that it. i oh, well because i really just wanted to re- i really i really wanted to get to the short stories to see what happens so it, yeah. the other short stories that are in broken throne are she actually introduces a brand new character. Um, and I really like her <laughs> short story. I felt like it was really good. And then she also has short stories about um, Evangeline and Elaine. So we see how they are doing and adjusting to living in Montfort and what's going on with them. And then she has a short story for Cal. And then she has a short story for Mare. And we do, and I'm not going to say what happens because even though this podcast is filled with spoilers, since I'm not covering this book, I will not say what happens and spoil it for anybody. <laughs> but you do get uh, more of a conclusion with Cal and Mayer, um, a little bit more finality to really discover what's going to happen with their, their relationship. And so it's good. And I actually, what's funny is, <laughs> so Cruel Crown is like at the beginning of Broken Throne, and then you have all this history stuff, and then you have the, all these other short stories. Cal and Mayor's short stories are at the very end of the book, mm-hmm. but I started there. Like, I Me read the book too. backwards. I read it from Me back too. to front because I was like, well, I need to read Cal and Mare's stories first. I need to know what happens to them first before I read anything else. So I read those short stories first and then read the other one. Did both of you read Broken Throne? Yes. Yes. Okay. I
2: thought then, so. Are you going to say that there's a little small bit in there from Maven? that I like cried oh, yes. and had goosebumps. Oh That's my gosh. Right. That's right. You it have is, to get it. Like you have to get Broken Throat because
0: yeah. Yeah. There is, uh, there is a little, a story in there from Maven as well, which yeah. is really cool. Um, so yes, I, I, again, I'm not going to cover it on the podcast because it's not a full novel. It is just a collection of short stories. But you, if you guys are reading this series, you do need to get that and read it as well because it's very, very good. So. Well, ladies, <laughs> That concludes the Red Queen series. I can't believe that we are done with it. <laughs> and I have really enjoyed having both of you along with me for this. It's been a lot of fun talking with both of you and hearing your perspectives on the books. And so thank you so much for joining me and being a part of this.
1: Oh, thank you for having me and asking. And it's, it's really been fun to get to talk about it out loud because you do, you go through so <laughs> many emotions. You need to kind of have an outlet to express them and you're giving that to everyone. So thank
2: you. Of course. Thank you from Nikki. And this was, I mean, I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of young adult books. And by far, I think Leah probably said, it. I think she said it at the beginning, but all time favorite. Just you have to have to read it have to. It's so good. Amazing. Yes.
0: <laughs> so we have wrapped up this series. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow YA book chat on Instagram and Facebook and be sure to leave a review and let me know what you think. Thanks again, everybody. And we will chat again soon. Today's podcast featured the book War Storm by Victoria Ager and was created and produced by me, Leah Stuhler.